Hello, one and all, and welcome to Friends of the Force. I am your host, Brad Whipple here, and joining me today on the show to talk about Star Wars Resistance. It is finally the week that it is coming out. We only have a couple more days left until Sunday night. Hope and Chris from the J Guys and Jedi podcast. How are you guys doing tonight? I am so excited to talk Resistance. Like we're oh, not yes. going to be talking Resistance on our show for at least a year. So I'm just yep. like, oh, I get to All talk right. Resistance. All <laughs> right. Hope, Hope says that, but um, just uh, just to make it clear, we've been we we're, we've been covering all the animated Star Wars. So we started with Clone Wars. We worked through Clone mm-hmm. Wars. We're we're midway through Rebels. But then resistance started in real life because we're behind on the on the timeline. And I basically had to beat hope with a stick not to talk. <laughs> it's it's so hard not to talk resistance when you're watching it and doing your rebel show. Yeah, this is we we really need this outlet. And when I say we, it's hope. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> come on. You're the one that's just like. Did you see the new episode? No, that's me. I'm sorry. I can't even lie there. Yeah, I just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, Resistance is the most lovable show out there in the Star Wars universe right now. It's going to give us that much needed uh, breath of fresh air for things like The Mandalorian, which is going to be a lot more dark and gritty and, and all that stuff and action packed. Not that Resistance isn't action packed, but um, it's just a different feel. It's kind of like a good wake up in the morning and watch show while you're, you're sitting in bed. And I'm excited to to dive into today, and uh, we're going to be talking about season one, kind of where, where it left off, what we liked about it, and look forward to season two, which will be the final season, unfortunately, sad face, uh, for Resistance. So we're going to be going over a lot, and I'm super excited, but before we get into that, Hope and Chris, can you talk a little bit about your podcast and what it is all about? Well, we're part of the Two True Freaks Network, which Chris founded, so why don't you introduce what Two True Freaks is, and then I'll talk about the show. I'll do the network, you do the show. All right. Deal. Somewhere in 2008, my buddy Scott Gardner and I started doing a podcast. We were on Libsyn, and we were probably doing two or three shows. Well, And then we we were doing a show a week, and we would do different shows each week. But, uh, yeah, so we we were doing podcasts. as He was in Georgia at the time, and I'm in upstate New York in Rochester. And we started getting listeners and then those listeners started, you know, wanting to make podcasts. And when they did, we wanted to like play the podcasts on our feed until we used up all the space that we could possibly afford on Libsyn. So we started our own podcast network. We got a website, tutrufreaks.com with just, oh, probably about 20 active podcasts right now including Jay Guys and Jedi, which I share with, with Hope Mullinex, who I met early on in our podcasting career at DragonCon. Great Scott place to meet. Yeah, yeah, it was our, our my podcasting partners and my first uh, ever um, uh, panel that we were on, and Hope was it the was... first person who asked a real question. So, yeah, so... Yeah, we kept in contact with Hope, and then she started making a podcast called Hope of All Trades and added her on to the... When was the last Hope of All Trades you did, Hope? Like 14 years ago? It it had to be when Once Upon a Time was running, because it was when me and my friends were drinking and watching Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, Drunk Wonderland was my last episodes, so... But, yeah, I, I did a Star Wars podcast on Star Wars, uh, the Marvel Star Wars comics with my friend Scott, 
And then uh, after after we basically finished all the Marvel Star, the original Marvel Star Wars comics, there was sort of a gap in our Star Wars show, and Hope and I picked it up with uh, with Clone Wars. And then when we finished, we were the show was just going to do Clone. Well, actually. That's, Actually, that's, Tag, I'm my turn. Your, I'm getting so, into your job now, so I'll, I'll let you take it from there. Tag, so one night me and Chris were just hanging out, and we were just chatting on Facebook and stuff, and we were reminiscing about shows, and I hadn't done a show in a while because the two shows, one being Cabal Trades, is one I produce myself, and I just don't have time to edit, which is one of the reasons why I hadn't done Hope of All Trades for a while. And then Who True Freaks was our other show, which was very random. It was just whenever we got around to it, and that's a Doctor Who show. So I was talking with Chris one night, and I was like, you know, like, I really just want to talk about Clone Wars. I really do, and I don't have a, like, I would do this for Hope of All Trades, but I just don't have time to edit. And Chris went, I can edit. And I was like, what? And he was like, why don't we do a Clone Wars podcast? So we banged out our first episode the first week of January 2016, and we've been doing it ever since. And as we, we finished all of Clone Wars... And we're halfway through Rebels, and as we were going through Rebels, we re- started realizing with Resistance running, we're like, well, we're really, the Filoniverse is what we call it. We call it the Filoniverse, anything that Dave Filoni is producing. It's very mm-hmm. uniquely different from the rest of the canon. There's nothing else in the right. canon like the Filoniverse. So we really pride ourselves, like, looking at the Dave Filoni episodes, how they differ, and, like, and analyzing those. So we've already done... And we're also looking at it from the point of view of people who have already seen the shows. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting going back to, like, episode one of Rebels and being like, oh, there's a thing from season four in episode one. Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah, it's always fun to go back and find those things. Because so many people, like, just do it weekly. Like, one of our our friends of our podcast is Geeky Bubble and John Amal. They did uh, Resistance and Rebels episode by episode as it was coming out. By the time we get to Resistance, the show's going to be done, so... Me, I just did a re- rewatch of Resistance, and I was like, oh, Tam's story started season episode one. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> there it is. So it's very interesting going back through the show and, like, catching those yeah. things. Like, we just did, um, I think, Shroud of Darkness, which is the second time you we go to the world between worlds in Rebels. But the thing is, we didn't know it was the world between worlds until season four. So, like, now we can actually have conversations about the world between worlds in season yeah. one and season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Star Wars is an interesting form of iterative storytelling where the more of it you watch, your perception of what came before, it changes and and the conversation changes around those things. So that's really exciting that you guys are are watching it through the lens of some uh, as Star Wars rebels and Clone Wars experts. And like we're coming from two different points of view, like I came into the show as a as a child of the new canon, like Clone Wars was my entry point. But Chris was an original fan from because he's old. <laughs> he, he saw the that's original right. movies in the theaters, so like we're coming at it from two different generations as well. Yeah, well, that's awesome. So if you're if you're a Clone Wars fan out there, or you're a Rebels fan, make sure to to go check out their episode, especially if you're thinking of doing a rewatch. It would probably couple well with doing one of those and listening to the episodes immediately after. Is that kind of what the podcast is geared towards? You know, for somebody to to listen right after watching. Ideally. Yeah, we go episode by episode. We break each episode down into three acts. I have to say that we are a not safe word work podcast. We do a dirty Yoda bit. So if you want to come to dirty Yoda, <laughs> please come over because he's our quote unquote third podcaster. But yeah. yeah, like we break down all three acts and we give people stupid nicknames like Maul mm-hmm. and Maul and uh, Savage was 
the Super Mario Brothers, Mario and Savaji. <laughs> um, Papa Palps is another one. Uh, Ooh, I like Papa God, Palps. Papa Palps, it's because it sounds gross. Like, Palpatine's gross, and he needs a gross nickname. Um, Tarkin is Farkin, which is short for effing Tarkin. <laughs> so we just call him Farkin. So we, we have a good time, and we're very laid back. Like, I yeah. do seltzer water, and I burp the show, so whatever. Yoda used we're... to be on the show because there was a, you know, there was a nice little uh, saying at the beginning of each each. Uh, Clone Wars episodes, which we called Space Platitudes, and Yoda would introduce the Space Platitude. But then once we got to Rebels, we didn't have that. So now, just if if anybody's interested, Yoda takes questions. So if anybody has any questions or needs advice from Yoda, he's there to do it at the beginning of every show. He introduced the Space Platitudes and added in bed at the end. Yeah, it's an old old fortune cookie trick. (laughs) <laughs> so, like, that's where the dirty Yoda comes from. You, you've got oh, the best I like part. That. Reading that in Yoda's voice and adding in bed at the end. <laughs> you will never look at Clone Wars the same. Cause now you'll Yoda's, no. Yoda's voice is always fun to imitate. Really horribly. <laughs> well, that's awesome, guys. I'm, I'm so uh, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show today. And, and the reason I brought you two on in particular is because of what you do over at, at J-Guys and Jedi. And I felt it was appropriate. If we're going to be talking about Star Wars animation, let's bring in the animation experts, the ones who are talking about the stuff on the daily basis. And you have already mentioned the Filoni-verse, and that, that's you know very important to both of you. So we're going to be jumping right into uh, all things Resistance. So... First thing I want to start off with, in terms of the news, at least at the time of this recording, it was actually really well-timed. I'm glad we didn't record this a week early. <laughs> but So Saturday night at the Saturn Awards, Star Wars Resistance took home the award for Best Animated Series on Television, which is pretty awesome. So congratulations to Dave Filoni and crew. That was really awesome. And it was cool to see... Can we also say that Ashley Eckstein looked fabulous, pretty, like in that dress with her little Millennium Falcon Lego yes. clutch? And when yes. she pulled it out, you knew Resistance won because she opens the envelope and she goes, ee! And I was like, oh, <laughs> Ashley, they won and you're adorable. I love you. Yeah. So yeah. You. I was like, great person to announce it, but it's just a pretty big deal because Resistance was going up against a, a lot of other really, really popular animated shows, especially like The Simpsons. So to, for them There's to win this. There's a lot of animated shows these yeah. days, too. Yeah, so to stand out, even if it's not, you know, like an Emmy or anything, every award you get is important. So um, nobody should downplay this because it's the Saturn Awards or whatever. I actually hadn't even known about the Saturn Awards until I heard that they had won. Maybe I'm just out of touch with culture. <laughs> but um, for them to for them to win this is, is a big deal. And it says a lot about the, the quality of the show. So what what were you guys' levels of excitement when you when you saw this? Chris didn't even know. <laughs> I think I told Chris yesterday or something. Did I tell you? I think you did. Yeah. Uh, I, if you want to talk about out of touch with culture, talk to this old guy. I was excited. I saw it on uh, Jonna Marie's uh, Twitter account because uh, her and Ma are constantly usually my top tweets because I love them. And I saw it and I watched. I re- probably watched that video about three times just to watch like Ashley Eckstein's face just be like, ee! but. <laughs> At first, when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, okay, that's cool. But then as I, when I thought about it for another 10 seconds, I was like, you know, animation is not a niche, you know, part of culture anymore. You know, I mean, any, anybody who has, well, not even that has kids who watches Cartoon Network knows like how, how complex and, 
far reaching a spectrum of animation we have just on that network alone you know and all the major tv networks uh, as far as i can tell have their own animated shows too so then then i I was just like oh okay out of all that you know and the thing is star people don't seem to like to give star wars awards because it's so huge you know Mm -hmm. it's 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 kind of like well they're making enough you know money as it is and there's star wars they can afford to animate really well and all that's true but at the same time you know um resistance is pretty state-of-the-art interesting animation amazing animation and i mean we're we're constantly i'm constantly bugging chris about this on our show about how i want to do an animation podcast because like we are in just such a renaissance of animation right now it really kicked off with yeah, it really kicked off with Avatar The Last Airbender, which was one of Dave so Filoni's good. it's one of Dave Filoni's early works. And you can tell there's a lot of similar storytelling themes between Avatar and the Filoniverse. A lot of the oh, same yeah. kind of character types and themes and stories. And that's what really started it. And like now we have so many shows nowadays like Steven Universe. The current the current run of DuckTales just had an episode where Donald Duck goes to therapy and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And like there's so many important shows like Gravity Falls. Um, I just blinked on everything. She-Ra is another one. Like She-Ra is a very important show right now. So like we're in such a renaissance of animation right now where everything is such wonderful and good quality for have like resistance step out among that field where it's just amazing like there's so, it, any show could have won it because i mean personally i think there should have been far more other shows in the nominations list but that's just me mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah to, to see them win it is is so it, it makes it feel like the, the payoff is is, is well deserved you know because you, you do worry about that sometimes like again star wars i think chris you made a really good point it's like uh they don't need more awards but for them to actually get the award means like they really nailed it with whatever they were doing. And and to see them get the recognition they deserve is very, very hopeful and exciting for the future of animation at Star Wars. And they even just re- revealed a new logo for their animation department, I believe. I saw it kind of floating around on Twitter, but it says Lucasfilm Animation and the, the O in animation is a clone trooper helmet. So like that right there, like they're going full blown with this. Like they're really trying to make an impact in what they're doing. And Filoni is one of the most passionate guys I've ever seen work in Star Wars. And we've gotten a lot of other passionate people involved between the voice actors and all the digital artists. And it, it's just a, one giant passion project in the animation department right now. And it's, it's, it just fills me with joy and butterflies <laughs> when I talk about it right and now. If it's really awesome, if I can lower the bar, it's also really nice to see all the resistance haters get their nose rubbed in an award. If yes. we're being honest here, that's yeah. really people nice. People have their favorite character, how, get attached to characters and stuff. We've, over the course of our show, gotten attached to the Filoni and the animators because we watch them every show, every show. And this is just the animation, the story, the, the, the writers do it too, where you see them just like uh, finding their way a little bit at the beginning and then you find out they already had a course plotted, but once they find their footing, they just, you know, fly forward. And, uh, and it was the same with resist. The first couple episodes, I was like, I really like this animation, but it's a little wonky with the faces or a little floaty on top of, of the heads and stuff and stuff. But by, you know, two or three more episodes after that, it, 
all that was taken care of because they were getting better at animating in that new style that they were doing. And by the end of the season, it was just um, the only thing I can compare it to sort of sort of is maybe into the Spider-Verse where it's somewhere between like five, like, like that's more like comic book illustration, Mm -hmm. but this one's more like science fiction illustration come to life, but not to the point of pure realism, somewhere Mm -hmm. between realism and, and like production paintings. It's really neat. Right. Yeah, that's actually a really good comparison. I think I hadn't I hadn't thought about that before, but it reminds me a lot of like the uh, Netflix uh, run of Ultron too. It has that kind of similar cell cell shading, but now that you say that into the Spider Verse, like that's it's kind of like a mix of the two. Mm-hmm. They don't look exactly alike, but they have the, the that same sort of feel as almost um, almost like you'd rotoscoped. You know, you'd drawn over some live action or something in some parts. I always like for the for a good part when Hope and I would talk about it, I would be like, it's like production um, illustrations come to life. But then uh, today I was actually thinking how dumb that statement is, because pretty much any movie is production illustrations come to life anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I the one thing I do like about it, I know initially people were like this, you know, this animation looks kind of weird. Well, I don't know when I say people, Um, the haters were saying that, obviously, but. You know, it, I think it's good to vary the animation a little bit because it would honestly be a little boring if every single animated show had the same exact look. And I like how distinct this show in particular feels. It it, it just kind of makes it more like, it's more like colorful, the universe is lively, the characters themselves are all so different, which I love the how diverse the cast is, not even just the actual characters. It mostly takes place in like full sunlight unless you're inside the st- it's like either inside a station or in like full bright on the ocean sunlight. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it's, change is always difficult too. Like when Rebels first came along, I I was I didn't watch Rebels until I found out Ahsoka was in there, and then I was like, "What? My queen's not not dead? What?" <laughs> and then I jumped into Rebels. But yeah. like you know, I I wasn't a fan of the Rebels animations because just change is so different. Like we got so used to seeing this this Clone Wars style that when Rebels came along, yeah. it's drastically different. Everything's softer and rounder. Very mm-hmm. Disney, big eyes. And so, like, now that we got used to how Rebels looks, this new show, Resistance, comes along, and it looks very different. Like, change is always going to kind of work against us a little bit because we do have a nostalgia factor, too. Like, we love the animation of Clone Wars, but we also lived Mm -hmm. with it for five seasons. When you go back and look at the animation of season one of Clone Wars, it's very boxy, and it's come a long way in five seasons. Very much. Same thing with Resistance. Yeah, and same thing with Rebels. Like, it's very, it took me a while to get used to it. And there are still things like, we just did Shroud of Darkness. What is Yoda? What the heck is that? Where are Yoda's teeth? I'm not okay <laughs> with Yoda's, like, Rebels animation. It's a monstrosity. <laughs> Where has Yoda always been missing teeth? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> it bothers me. Lost, I have like, my teeth. <laughs> oh, Chris, do it. In a glass by my bed, they are. <laughs> okay, so Chris is our go-to Yoda impersonator this this episode, so um, that's good to know. <laughs> but yeah, change is always going to be difficult. So like, even after we Resistance finishes and we get the next animated show, 
I'm almost expecting some kind of backlash of being like, oh, this isn't Clone Wars, this isn't Rebels, mm-hmm. this isn't Resistance. <laughs> change in yeah. general is just hard. And we get so used to these styles that anything new is just like, whoa. Yeah. When you look at Forces of Forces of Destiny, yeah, Forces of Destiny, it's a very different style. The Galaxy of Adventures, very different styles. And like people are constantly comparing the shows together. And all I can say is stop comparing the shows together. They're all their own same same thing. Oh my god. Well, the, the the style of the the storytelling in Resistance is a lot different than than it. it's almost like an ensemble. It it's like an ensemble cast, but it, it reminds me of these. It reminds me of Canadian TV shows. I used to live on the Canadian border, and there was one called The Beachcombers. And basically, you know, they would almost be they would almost be soap operas, but they would be more like they would have more of an uh like an action you know conflict story in the show but the you know the 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 cast of the show was basically the whole town so you you had like 20 or 30 characters you know 10 of them being main characters the rest being you know quirky neighbors and stuff like that and that's that's sort of how i pictured resistance it's mm-hmm. it's this ensemble cast on a space you know, truck stop, basically. I call it the quick trip. It's a quick trip. It's actually more of a loves. Like, a loves is much closer because it has, like, a McDonald's and, like, a shower area for the truckers and stuff. But it's a quick trip. Yeah. What I find interesting is you you brought up uh, the constant comparison between shows, which this kind of leads into one of our talking points that we wanted to discuss today. We believe that there's a lot of good good in the Star Wars Resistance. I love the show. And I think this needs to be addressed. The whole idea that maybe the show is like too kiddie or, you know, it's too much geared towards kids. Like that's always a criticism I hear. And I think it's completely unwarranted because if you, if it's, it's totally okay to acknowledge that there are kiddie moments in the show. Like that has always been the case with the animated shows, but it's not like you can't watch this if you're not a kid. And I think if, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say like, the thing is like, you can love something and be critical of it. Yeah. Like, I love the Inquisitors. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a Grande is my boyfriend. I love him. But there is a valid criticism of how the Inquisitors are handled in Rebels. Like, they're mm-hmm. stooges. They're not scary. Like, they're, like, you can love, like, being critical is just another form of love. It's just doing yeah. it respectfully and having it be exactly. valid and having it backed up. Oh, yeah. Like, don't just say, like, I hate this thing because it's bad and you're stupid. Like, I hate this thing because X, Y, and Z. Oh, hopefully yeah. I have a whole list of shows that are, our, like, our whipping boys. <laughs> but, like, Basically. the thing is, is like, um, none of these shows are perfect. Clone Wars is not a perfect show. Rebels is not a perfect show. And Resistance is not a perfect show. Right. Like, there is no such thing as a perfect movie or show or book. So, like, mm-hmm. criticism is just a yeah, 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 and again, you can have criticism about everything. You can say there are kitty moments because there definitely are are kitty moments. We can point several of them out, but I think to it's it's again it's the concept of like respect. So to go out there and attack people because they like the show or to say they're have a bad taste, like that's where you're you know you don't want to be rude. So you know, just a reminder to like respect one another in the in the community. And if you're not in the animation, that's cool. But hey, go listen to whatever somebody else might have to say about the animation and why they love it. That's kind of what makes Star Wars special. Everybody loves different things, different different flavors for different people. So, but there, I I do so for one Star Wars. Mm-hmm. There's so much Star Wars content coming out that not everything's gonna be your jam yeah. jams. Yeah, and at the end of the day too, the Star Wars was made for kids. <laughs> you know, I think that's the yes. thing that we yeah. kind of have to step back <laughs> for. And when you think about it, it a lot of us it really captivated us as kids. 
And it's that there's a reason for that. George Lucas geared it towards children. It's a, it's a space movie about wizards and, and a mystical force, you know? So it's, it's, it's a good reminder that this show could be the entry point for a, a little kid out there watching Star Wars. And they're like, wow, when I grew up, I really loved Kaz and Tam and Bucket. Like, that's so cool to think about. It can, not can only could actually... be, it definitely is is going to be. And like, I think I'm a lot, I, I get a lot less critical on the kitty part of it because... I grew up, I grew up well I was a little old but I still watched them because they were Star Wars but I did not enjoy was uh the Ewoks and the Droids cartoons. <laughs> Those were really kiddie. Those were, yeah. you know, for Saturday morning kiddie stuff and just like like Hope and I have basically found as a running theme from Clone Wars on is you can't get around Star Wars is Star Wars, it's always, whatever the story is, it's always either in the shadow of a war, you know, it's the wars, you know, wherever you time it, there's either a war going on, a war brewing, or a war just finishing off and, and the next one brewing. So you have to deal with the with the, the things that are in war and, and, you know, with like the first trilogy you know, it's an action movie, but if you're going to follow it into years and years of continuous stories, you're going to have to cover stuff like PTSD. And and it was three, you know, it was it was a, a good way through season one in Resistance where there's a genocide <laughs> on the show. You know, you see mm-hmm. a planet get blown up full of people. So it's never going to get too kiddie. And, and I think Rebels was a little more kiddie at first. Then Clone Wars, and then Rebel. Rebels, though, darkened up as it went along. Resistance like, isn't going to have time to darken up, <laughs> really. Well, I, I think I think it's much more subtle. Like, cause, all right, like first and foremost, like all the shows have their kitty moments. Like, yeah. I always think back to the very first full arc we have of Clone Wars is the Malevolence arc. Mm-hmm. What does C three PO do in that episode? He's a slapstick character being thrown from train to train to train to train to train and to be laughed at. <laughs> like he is the slapstick character. He's the Kaz of that episode. Yeah. We have does that do people actually remember Stinky? Like Rhoda the Hutt? Like that's oh, a kitty moment. Sky yeah. guy in R2, bomb that <laughs> Jedi. Like all the shows did it. So it's unnecessary putting it on resistance because Clone Wars did it too. Rebels did it too. So like it's different that resistance is getting this much hate for being too kitty when all mm-hmm. three shows did it. Yeah. And the thing is it's like resistance follows the pattern of the other two shows. Yeah. Clone exactly. Wars not as much as it was in the middle of an actual war. But Clone Wars still started kind of on the lighter note. And then I remember this point where Obi-Wan looks at Plo Koon and goes, We're back at Geonosis. Like, I, did, I thought this war would be done by now. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it kind of has this tumbling down where it gets darker and darker and darker. Rebels like the I said, thing. watching it a second time doesn't... The, when you watch Clone Wars through the second time, you, you, you and you see, oh, he's calling her Snips and she's calling him Sky Guy. Not for long. <laughs> you know, after <laughs> yeah, a while, they can't call her Snips. They're, they're, they've killed too many people together, you know? So she's Ahsoka after a while, and and he's master or you know master anakin or something so so as you know that was at the beginning when they were meeting they were a little more green and everything so all the kiddiness doesn't doesn't uh uh 
come off as as kitty the second time through and i think the yeah. same i haven't done a second viewing of resistance yet but i'm positive um, it's going to be the same way i have I, I recently did a rewatch of resistance right at the beginning of the summer and it follows the same form like like rebels also did the same thing it started off light and then it got darker and resistance does it too like tam's story starts episode one where she you where it lays the seeds of her leaving for the first order and like I think because it's two seasons, they had to get dark much faster, but they're also much more subtle about it. Like I my best friend just watched Resistance and I was like, so in the episode that disappeared, when you got to that episode, I was like, wasn't that crazy that they pulled in Holocaust imagery? And she looked at me and went, she went, What? And I was like, they put Aunt Z and Hype, who are the aliens, the others, in shipping containers to send away and never be seen again. That is Holocaust imagery right mm -hmm. in the middle of the show. I remember when I first saw that and I was like, oh God, are they doing this? So it's actually nice to have that slapstick humor in that moment where Aunt Z like mm -hmm. is climbing on top of hype and it's like really <laughs> funny because if it's not, it's scary. Like, yeah. It's a very nice balance of that moment because that's a horrific image. I remember pausing the show and going, I can't believe they're putting this like 1930s right. Holocaust imagery in the middle of a Disney show for Star Wars. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> and so it, like a lot of the times the slapstick humor, it is very heavy. I will argue that the Triple Dark is the most heavy slapstick episode. It really encapsulates like a lot of those criticisms that people had about the show being too uh, kitty. And I feel, yeah, I, I think the Triple Dark is the weakest episode of all of season one. And a lot of that is because it has, it's it's too slapstick for me. But the thing is at the end of the day, like I have 13 nieces and nephews and I have an, my nephew, um, Amir, loves Star Wars. Absolutely loves uh, Star Wars. And he's nine and I do what I call the nephew test. So if a joke doesn't work for me as a 32 year old woman, I stop and I think, well, would this work for him, a nine-year-old? And the answer is always yes, you know? So, like, the show at the end of the day is not written for me, but it's also a nice balance to, like, this show gets dark. Like, this is... I, I talked about this at the panel at Dragon Con where the show has the most to say about our current world. If you take resistance and stick it into our real world, it has something to say about the rise of fascist regimes. It has something to say about the radicalizations of our youth on the internet. It has something to say about monetary privilege. Kaz is a privileged character who comes from wealth. We've never had a protagonist come from wealth and Kaz mm -hmm. has to learn how to check his privilege. Like it has <laughs> That's something to actually say. actually so valid. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. it has well, well, so war, much to that's... say about our real world, and it's yeah. all out is of this an evergreen metaphor for the real world. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. It's yeah. if if all the elements that are at play in a in a Star Wars story with an evil empire and a rebellion are gonna have their analogs and their you know their even you know even if you had you know you could go all the way back to World War Two or you could go back today, but you know. It's still the story of so, how someone who's basically, you know, a good person could be could be talked into joining the, the First Order is, mm -hmm. you know. It, we, we talk about it constantly in our show about how vague uh, the animation keeps things. Like, do you remember the episode in Clone Wars where Ahsoka and Padme are like, Ahsoka's protecting pa Padme because Orisin's trying to kill her? Mm -hmm. So in that episode, Padme gives a speech and it hits all the major points almost verbatim to Elizabeth Warren's very famous, but nevertheless, she persisted speech. 
because it's so vague that it hits so many of our real world things. Right. But it's 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 almost verbatim the same speech that Elizabeth Warren gave. I didn't know that. And I have to it, look back at that episode. They're very similar. They hit a lot yeah. of same points because like one was talking about Padme was talking about refugees and like these freedoms and stuff like that. And that speech just happened when we covered that episode in our show. And we don't talk politics on our show. Like our rule of our show is we only talk Star Wars politics. But it was just so close that it made us have a conversation about how Dave Filoni and George Lucas purposely makes these things just close enough to our world, but just well, vague enough to where you they, could go. They, oh, that's they know every four. Like I think at the end of the day, what we're all we're all trying to say is is this show has kitty moments. Every animation show ever has kitty moments, and that's what makes them great. I mean, cartoons are cartoons; they're made for kids. So I think that is so refreshing in the Star Wars universe because we get we get inundated with a lot of like pretty heavy drama stuff happening in the movies and and possibly the Mandalorian coming up. It's going to be very dark and gritty and bounty hunter esque and killing people that kind of thing. So to have something like a Star Wars Resistance to just step aside and wake up and literally be a kid again and watch Saturday morning cartoons, or I guess how they're premiering it's Sunday night at 10, but I usually try to watch it when I can in the mornings. It's it's just nice. It's a breath of fresh air and it's totally valid to have those criticisms. Again, it just all boils down to to respect. And I don't think if you think it's too kiddie, I, I think it's poor reasoning not to watch the show. I think it's definitely deserving of a chance for you to take a chance or for you out there who might not want to watch the show, give it a chance. See if it, see if you like it. You know, I have one friend who doesn't want to watch the show at all. He won't touch it with a 10 foot pole. And I keep telling him you need to watch the show because it's, it's good. And here's the thing, like it's, it's one thing I, like I, I used to work in a brick and mortar comic book store. And when Jane Foster's Thor first started running, I would have all these guys come in and be like, and let's just say it was mostly guys. And they'd be like, I don't like this thing. And I would always ask them, well, have you read it? In four years, probably about every other week, I had someone like this in my store. One person said yes. Mm-hmm. I, he had read it, and he didn't like it, and it wasn't his jam. That's yeah. fine. Like, if you give this an open mind to try, and it's not your Jimmy jams, that's fine. But don't say that it's terrible when you haven't watched it. That just makes you look mm-hmm. small-minded and ignorant. Yeah, yeah. How do you know it's bad if you don't give it a try? Yeah, exactly. It's all about trying things. And that's and that's what I try to really preach here is if you're going to take a stance on something, you know, back it up with facts and you can't have any facts to back it up with if you don't try the show out and see if it's yeah, maybe, like, maybe you do like it. Maybe it'll surprise you. Um, The same friend I'm talking about, he was, he didn't want to watch the final season of Rebels. I was like, you're missing out. And he eventually did. He was like, wow, I'm really glad I watched that. I was like, see, there you go. And, and hope I remember what you were, you were, exactly sure you were digging resistance the first few episodes it took me Either. it took me about season episode four where i finally started feeling it because like getting I, in the groove of it and, and yeah because gonna... triple dark and and fuel for the fire to me are the two uh weakest episodes of the season but like mm-hmm. season four is when they really started introducing a lot of the social commentary because like like it took me a while to realize that unlike Rebels and Clone Wars, which are plot-driven shows, Resistance is a character-driven show, which makes it slower plot-wise. So it takes about half the season to lay all the groundwork before they can move the plot, which and, makes it very slow. But once I realized, like, oh, this is a character show! Yeah, it's okay. all you <laughs> right there, yeah. I'm going to disagree with one of the things Hope said earlier when she said um, <gasps> they're, writ- they're written for kids. It's just a slight disagreement. It's amendment more than anything. I don't think they're written for kids. I just think they're written for everybody. I think they definitely 
they definitely throw stuff in for adults. And I, I gotta say, when I go to especially a numbered Star Wars movie, or a, like a lot of the animated stuff, I go in and if it's working, I'm pretty much psychologically eight years old anyway, eight yeah. or nine years old. That's that's how I know if they work really well. And so I can totally get into the if if it's only aimed for kids, I'll. I'll go to that level. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll take it any day. It, I have bills to pay. I have student loan debt. I got a lot of things going on in my life. And to just sit down and watch the show and feel like a kid, that's the kind of stuff that we need yeah. in our lives nowadays, you know? It, I mean, it's, that's it, why life's we watch tough. media anyway. It's escapism. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah, exactly. it's just but it's, media. And it's, but it's, to me, it's even more complex than just like even a nostalgic thing of where it's like Mm -hmm. oh yeah i was a kid when i saw star wars it's just something it's sort of the same way star trek you know when it works right will set off my science nerd you know part of my brain where star wars when it's when it's going right it's almost like the ultimate in world building that i've ever seen you know the star wars galaxy slash universe is a fully functional thing in my mind and and when it's fully working i don't question that i'm there i don't question any flubs in the story until afterwards when i think about it because i'm just rambling along like emotionally like an eight-year-old would yeah and i i think i think a nostalgic factor is a, is another valid point to bring up because it's not it's not clone wars and i understand mm-hmm. that like like i said clone wars was my entryway into the fandom i and Resistance is not Clone Wars, it, but it's also not Rebels. And these are three very, very different shows telling very different kinds of stories. And I think where people go like, oh, this isn't Clone Wars, because so many people grew up with Clone Wars. And right. that was a lot of people's very first, like that was what, God, like 11 years ago? Clone so Wars a lot of people and- who, a lot of people who are adults now, Clone Wars was their edgy way. So now when they're seeing these mm-hmm. new shows, they're going, well, it's not Clone Wars. Well, no, duh, it's not Clone Wars. <laughs> well, it's Clone Resistance. Wars it's Rebels. a very different show. It's extremely important when you're when you're judging a show. You just judge it on its own merits, too. I think to to make constant comparisons is kind of unfair in a way, you know, because they're like you said, it's apples to oranges. It, well, but it's, at the end of the day, it's all fruit. And that's the thing. Yeah. Like, one's an apple, one's an orange, one's a banana. It's all the fruit yeah, of the Filoni-verse. Yeah. And it, it's the fruit of Filoni-verse. So there are similarities that you can compare them to, like, as in, like, storytelling character. But at the end of the day, yeah. a banana is very different from an apple. Well, yeah. Well, like, you can say, I don't like this banana because it's not an apple. <laughs> right. Yeah. I use that. Oh, I use that metaphor all the time. Like, I hate this banana because it's not an orange. I'm like, well, no crap. It's a banana. Yeah. <laughs> like, so well, when I see those, like, arguments all the time, I'm just like, then it's not a banana. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clone Wars and Rebels were both. I think maybe this is why Resistance has stood out more as as people have been like, I don't know. It's not the same. The Clone Wars and Rebels were both very rooted in the Star Wars, in the in like Clone Wars, they're very tied to each other too. To the prequels and to the original trilogy, musically, visually, characters, say and same with Rebels. Rebels yeah. had Darth Vader showing up. 
They're also very Yoda. tied together, like with characters like Ahsoka and Rex and Hondo, Clone Wars characters. You have Keenan, who was in the Clone Wars. So right. those two shows are very tied together. And and they're and they're all really tied into the movies, the the first six movies. Whereas right. Resistance, your touch point, it doesn't have like Rebels, like the first season of Rebels, especially the music was basically just cut and paste, John Williams themes put together so much like just chunks of the the other soundtracks whereas resistance is its own thing and when it has any touch points with the movie it's like it's poe dameron and bb8 you know it's mm -hmm. to the new movies yeah so i actually like i like resistance poe better than i like movie poe <laughs> <laughs> yeah, resistance poe is really really awesome We've seen more of Resistance Poe than Poe in the other two, in the both movies. That's true. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's another reason why I love it so much is, well, it's just the nature of television. Like we, I, I had this conversation with a friend about, and somebody was like, well, Hera's a better pilot than Bodie. And I was like, well, we've had four seasons of 20 episodes of Hera. We've only had mm -hmm. two and a half hours of Bodie. That's like not a fair comparison of yeah. like that one's a better pilot than the other. Mm -hmm. It's just the... It's just the nature of television. You have more time to develop a story. So I do like Resistance Poe better than mm -hmm. Movie Poe. Looking at all of this together, we are being very positive. I think it's important to to note the criticisms that Resistance has received. But I, I felt it was kind of an obligation of ours to come to its defense because I think it does get a lot of unnecessary flack. And it's really nice to find people who uh, enjoy this show as much as I do and just talk about it. And that's what we're going to continue to do in, in today's episode. But um, I think it's important to just take a step back and realize every generation has a story. Every generation has an entry point to Star Wars. And for some small boy or girl out there, they're watching Star Wars Resistance. And this is Star Wars to them. And, and that should fill you with a lot of hope. And, and I think uh, it's... I think it's Sky Talkers. Um, it is Sky Talkers. Yeah. They constantly say that animation is the future of Star Wars. Yeah. And I know a lot of the, like they mean that in a way that like it's where they're doing like a lot of the experimentation that they're like bringing into mm -hmm. the movies. It's it's kind of informing how the movies are working. And I often interpreted that like as as much as I love like me, Chris, and you, like we're not gonna be around forever. It's very important that this like next generation, this younger generation, has their own Star Wars. Because, yep. like, we have our Star Wars. We're going to have stuff like The Mandalorian that's not going to be ready for them. Like, they need Star Wars, too. It's very important because mm -hmm. not only is animation the future of Star Wars, the kids are, like, my little niece, my little nine-year-old nephew, Amir, he's the future of Star Wars. Like, he is the next generation yeah. that's going to grow up and then pass it on to his kids. It's They need their own yeah. Star Wars just as much as we need stuff like, well, I guess we don't need the Mandalorian. I want the Mandalorian, but I don't <laughs> need it, I guess. Yeah. Now, so. you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. I think that's... I couldn't have said it better myself. But yeah, with, with that, though, let's turn to season one of Resistance. Let's go over <laughs> kind of what happens, who some of our favorite characters are, Should favorite I moments... Do? Oh my god. So in our show, when we do season recaps, we, we started with doing a thing called a Rex Volution. And now mm -hmm. that we're in Rebels, I do now I now do Callus Volutions, where I recap <laughs> the season from memory from the point of view of a character. Yes. So Tam's having a lovely day on the Colossus, right? And she's like, This is a beautiful like Monday morning and I'm great. And then Yuker walks in and he's like, Tam, what's up? And she's like, Not much, I'm just fixing up the fireball. And he goes, Cool. This is Kaz. And Tam looks at him and goes, 
who's this kid? We don't have enough money already. Like, I'm going to have to split my salary with this kid. And Kaz is just like, hi, I'm super positive, but I'm also wacky, wavy, inflatable arm man. She's like, cool. <laughs> Giger, I have some problems with this. And Kaz is like, I'm not a spy. And she's like, what? And he's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm not a spy. And then he goes off and she's like, okay, whatever. And she's like, Niku, what do you think about this? And Niku's just like, I love the world. And she's like, awesome and so like tan goes along on her day and she starts realizing these kind of like weird things about kaz like he just kind of like takes her ship and she's like i don't like that he takes my ship this is my ship yeager like promised me the ship and but he keeps giving my ship to this kaz kid and things just start happening but at least the first order is starting to show up and oh my god here's this beautiful woman named sonara hi sonara and sonara's <laughs> like hello i am gorgeous and maybe one day if they ever have like the gall to do this, we could be girlfriends. And Tam's like, ah, that sounds great. And she's like, cool, <laughs> but I'm not a pirate. And Tam's like, what? And she's like, what? I'm not a pirate. And she's like, cool, you're my girlfriend now. And so Tam's then just like, this is what I do on our show. And Tam's just like <laughs> going along on her day, but like Cat just keeps taking his stuff. And like, she keeps like coming back with this fireball all messed up. And, and Tam's just like, I just can't do this anymore. And then the door kicks open and Hype Phazon comes in. He's just like, what's up everybody? I'm Hype Phazon. And Tana's just like, oh, Jesus Christ, why is hype here? We have a really bad past together and stuff like that. And I have terrible trust issues, but it's fine because my, my grandfather was in the Empire, so I'm really into order and stuff like that. And I don't like vagueness. And why are there children in the basement? Where did these children come from? And Kazuniku's like, what children? And she's like, these kids right here. And Kaz is like, that's not a child. She's like, these are children. Why are they in the basement? He's like, I don't know. Well, then the First Order starts showing up, and Tam's like, oh, thank goodness. Like, we have order in our life. I can, like, finally, like, get back to work. All I want to do is, like, work on my ship that Kaz keeps breaking, and Yuger won't give me any straight answers, and I'm starting to feel, like, really down about myself, and this is not fun at all. And then the First Order is just like, oh, FYI, your friend's a spy, and Yuger's been helping them, and Tam is like, I'm really confused right now. And then this beautiful woman named Agent Tyranny comes in, and she's just like, Tamara your friends have been lying to you this entire time. This guy's a spy. No, He's been helping them. And Nico is wonderful. Please come with me. And Tam is like, well, maybe I should talk to my girlfriend, Sonara. Oh, wait, they didn't write me in the last half of the season, so therefore I never got to see my girlfriend, Sonara, again. And Kaz is like, that's fine. I shot her out of an airlock, actually a sea lock in an escape pod. And Tam's like, oh, that's the last straw. Hey, what's going on, Tyranny? And Tyranny's like, so I see your life sucks here. And I'm going to offer you this whole thing. You like order, right? Yeah, that's cool. You like money, right? Yeah, that's cool. Do you love flying? I love flying. You want to join the first order? Yeah. You ready to die? Yeah. Wait, what? And then she goes with the first order, and that's the end of season one. And then the Colossus takes off and flies into the sky, and Nuki is like, I don't know where we're going. Yeah. <laughs> I do that every season recap. Only yeah, they're like I'm, I was pretty longer. impressed that you were able to fit that within a couple minutes. So that, you're I mean, if you're listening, you don't even... <laughs> If you're listening, you don't even need to watch season one. That's that's the recap from the point of view of, of Tam. But yeah, I mean, season one, though, is is a lot of fun. And I think it definitely was a little slow to kick off for me, too. But once it got towards the end and we got towards some of the later episodes, the the payoff was so worth it. Like, you know, the core problem, the disappeared descent, especially was one of my favorite episodes, just with all of like the underwater stuff going on with, with Kaz. And the, it, it felt like a, a pure like spy mission where he's got to basically like 
go behind enemy lines and 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 do what needs to be done and then finally we get to no escape and and that's the way they wrapped up the season with especially with seeing Hazi and prime get destroyed again like another moment that's not so kitty and kind of hits you right in the gut you're like oh my gosh kaz is watching his entire world get destroyed right now and that's it's so that's traumatizing from that point of view though because like in the movies, we don't know anybody from Hosnian Prime. Like, there's mm-hmm. no, like, real. it's, it's just kind of like, okay, this is Alderaan all over again. Like, we don't mm-hmm. have in, really any emotional connection. I didn't even realize Hosnian Prime was, like, the Senate when mm-hmm. I watched the movie. But, like, now, like, with I think one a lot of, of people just assumed it was Coruscant, too. Yeah, so, like, now with Resistance, like, we know Kaz. We know what kind of person he is. Like, so we have, like, an emotional grounding in, like, Hosnian Prime. And it's nice because we never really got that too much with Leia. When when we watch Leia needs more, like, therapy, guys. Because, like, we she sees her world get destroyed, but she automatically has to, like, go into fight mode and stuff like that. And, like, she, we never see Leia get to process on screen her grief of that moment we get to see kaz process his grief and even though he has to keep going there's still little quiet moments where like yeager has to take his shoulder and he's like i'm so sorry but we have to go so Mm -hmm. it's much more emotional now yeah it's it i I think that's why the show really won me over those last couple episodes because i was like this isn't we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> like I was like, this is starting to get really serious. And the, the fact that they, the Colossus comes out of the water and goes into the sky as a spaceship. I was like, Oh my God, this is the most like crazy shit happening right now. <laughs> like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. There's not going to be any formula to this series. <laughs> That's for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Chris, I've been talking a lot. So like, what, what was your thoughts on season one? Oh, well, I mean, at the beginning, I thought it was a little bit kiddy, and the character of Kaz really annoyed me. He re- he really annoyed me because of, and I think it was a, um, to, to kiddify him a little bit, but, like, which he was is a little too dense. He was which a little is too weird because he's the oldest of the protagonists. Like, the, uh, between Ezra, him, and Ahsoka, where they all started, he's the oldest. So, like, that's where it got me. Like, if Kaz was a little bit younger, like Ezra's age, I wouldn't have had. But that's where, like, the wealth and privilege comes back in. Like, I got to the moment where I'm like, he's this close to being, like, the Apple Winds teen. Like, he just he, doesn't know better. Like, <laughs> he doesn't like, know yeah. how to adult. Like, he had just, and, and, and maybe it might actually, now that I'm thinking about it, be good writing that he was kind of uh, um, in the, he's no Ezra, you know, and, and, and I know Ezra annoyed a lot of people by learning really quickly, but Ezra also was like a force user and under this pressure of like, of, you know, fighting for his life against inquisitors and stuff like that and joining the rebellion. Whereas he's he's a spy, he's just sort sort of doing stuff, but he's not like a combat trained. He's had a little bit of military training, you know, but it's more sort of like military high school or something, you know, and uh, and so he was just kind of dense and always and like making the same mistakes over and over again by just being completely dense, and that was very frustrating to me at first. But then once he started picking picking stuff up, I, I, I got into his character. I like all the just ancillary characters the most in this. They're the most colorful 
Orca you know, flicks, the, 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 the guys who own the junk shop and the Orca and the flicks. Orca and flicks. I love them. Please. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> You know, every the, the woman who runs the bar is is great. Yeah, yeah she is amazing. She's a very, Nancy. very Disney character. Um, I, I love it's... the turtle people in the bottom. Oh, of... yeah. The they are by... the, when I saw them, I'm like, these guys are the smartest ones here. These guys are the these guys are the what ties this show in with the force. These are the guys who are sort of on, you know, they're really slow and you're like, oh, they're turtle people or something. But, you know, they're they're in their force groove. <laughs> And they wanna, know a lot more than they than they seem to know. I really I want to like riff it. on. I want to riff on something that you said about how Cass is not Ezra, and I think that that's a very important element of the show. Actually, in general, is the lack of force in the show. I've been calling this show uh, "Blue Collared Star Wars," and what I mean by "Blue Collared Star Wars" is there is no force. There's no Jedi. There's no Sith. And, like, you know, season two, like, we're getting Kylo Ren. And, like, we got a little bit with, like, Isla being possibly Force-sensitive and stuff. But overall, there's really no Force in the show. And I think that's a very brilliant thing. Because, like, that means that the characters have to problem-solve. Like, something that would be simple for a Jedi to, like... I like I think it Has was there Skywalker been a single stuff. lightsaber yet? There hasn't been a lightsaber at all. No. Yeah. But I, I think that's, like, that's... Like, at the Kinda end of the day, like, I realize that... I I, th- I realize at the end of the day, like that's what's so cool about the show is it's about everyday people. Because you have these like big themes of the movies, like these force, like Jedi's versus Sith and all this force stuff. But resistance is what happens when all these like big movie themes affect everyday people. What happens when the first order comes to your house? What happens to the janitor when the force or uh, when the first order comes to like disrupt the janitor? They disrupt the cantina owner. They disrupt the shopkeepers, and that's what this is. It's it's a, a show about everyday people. And like I think it was Sky Talkers that pointed this out. It's the episode where Kaz and Yeager have to like put in a supercomputer so the guns will work on the Colossus, it would be so easy for someone like Ahsoka or Ezra to hold up their hands and just like pop it in there. But they're not force users. Like they have to problem solve this as normal everyday people. Mm-hmm. And that's what Resistance is. It's a show about normal everyday people and how these huge themes and like fights and wars affect them these people didn't even know that there was a war going on and now captain doza and kaz and all them just yanked them into the middle of the war what's going to happen to the people of the colossus what's going to happen to the little old blue lady that hits on kaz like is she going to want to fight in this war we don't know is orca and flicks going to want to fight in the war we don't know is op pit going to fight in the war or like the gorg salesman and that to me is a very very interesting part of the show is that it's about everyday people it's blue colored mm-hmm. star wars it's not force users it's not like jedi or sith it's about the everyday people yeah it's about the little dude in the hallway i forget his i'm forgetting his name that cleans up all the all the oh, water yeah <laughs> like it's even a little like... even a little tiny character like that it kind of gives the show so much more personality and it's like this is what it's about it's just about this off-world colossus and all the people that run it all the people that race on it and they just want to be pilots. They want to fly and then they want to go up in their little lounge area, have a couple drinks, talk to each other and then fly some more. And that's kind of yeah. where they've been living that where they've been at their whole life and what's worked for them. And it's just another instance of where the first order 
really shows up wherever it wants to and takes what it wants to and just shows up right on the doorstep. And that's even something explored in Black Spire, which I don't know if you guys have gotten to that book yet, but it's they present Batu to be this very peaceful world. People, it's all about the community there, the people that live there. Like, oh, the first world's the first order is never gonna come to our planet. Why would they want to come here? There's no significance for Batu. Same thing is happening with the Colossus. They're like, oh, you know, we're just racing. First Order is never going to show up. Oh, now they're showing up. Oh, they're totally cool. They're not the villains. And and eventually they clearly end up being the villains and everybody starts to realize that. And by that point, it's too late and they take Tam. So it's this kind of endless cycle of what the First Order does and I, I, how, it, how, how it affects the planets and the places that it inhabits. And that's what the core of the show is, like you said, um, and what, what makes it so meaningful. And I think what adds a lot of spirit and... Uh, kind of almost darkness again to the the Star Wars universe. It, it is a dark show. It has its moments, and it makes it very real. I mean, because like yeah. stuff like that is happening where in our real world. Like, um, I I I think it's Alderanian Rose who you mm-hmm. just recently yeah. interviewed. Um, she lives. Uh, this is more for Chris and listeners if they haven't listened to that. Like, doesn't she live in Ukraine in 2014? Yeah. Like, Russia invaded their their home. Yep. And and like it's these are things that are happening in our real world as well. And I think it's really fascinating because, like, we're none of us are Jedi. Like, I don't know what I would do if, like, someone showed up and they was like, hey, you can't do your job anymore unless you do it this way. I'd be like, what? <laughs> right. What do you mean? So, yeah. like, it's, it's essentially a show about us. It's about the little guys and, like, the normal everyday people. Yeah, and it's really nice to have that break from the Jedi because I do love the Force. I do love all of that. But it's, it's just, again, nice to take a break from it every once in a while and appreciate the parts of the universe that is just the 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 regular day people that we can actually really really relate to. You know, I mean, it's some of easier. the best episodes of Clone Wars is like Padme and Satine team up, no force yeah. users, or Padme yeah. and Bail Organa team up, no force users. Well, like those are some of the best episodes of Clone Wars. When when Disney acquired Star Wars and said we're gonna you know we're gonna you know naturally they're gonna do trilogy numbered movies, but then we're gonna you know branch off and do other stuff too. Resistance is sort of what I was hoping for more than anything. You know, I, I, I like the idea of, okay, the numbered Star Wars with the, you know, main characters and all the touch points in the other movies, but there's a whole galaxy and universe out there mm-hmm. with a, a whole other characters that it's humongous. So you, you just a yeah. plant, one planet is humongous. So you have all this stuff going on that doesn't necessarily even have to have much of a, a touch point you know i'm i'm not big into like i don't have to see a lightsaber battle in a star wars movie i just don't have to it's not like i like to see them but they're not like one of the things on my checklist of what i want you know i mean number one it's like a good story good characters or whatever but this is like one of the first disney things that even though it's it's got Poe and, and, and BB-8 in it, but it's like truly sort of its own thing and it's happening. And but it's, you know, it's got the, you know, the spaceships all have designs within this, you know, and you've got X-Wings and TIE Fighters mm-hmm. and and all that. But yeah, just completely a different direction than anything else. And just uh, and on the strength of that world that they've created, you can do almost anything, almost any kind of story in it. 
And, you know, Clone Wars sort of proved that by being like, let's be a Godzilla movie. This We're a spaghetti Western this this week. And I think The Mandalorian is going to be, you know, a Western, mm-hmm. basically. So, but th- th- this is what I want to see. And the animation is doing a lot. What uh, Numbered Star Wars movies, to me, on top of the story and the special effects and stuff, <clears throat> one thing that Star Wars always did through the first six movies was every movie sort of advanced either the way something was presented visually or the technology in presenting something visually. You know, they figured mm-hmm. out a way to show you something you've never been able to see see before. And I don't think in the first two Disney Star Wars, you know, Force Awakens and Last Jedi, they really did that. They didn't really do anything technology-wise. It was... That was like, wow, I've never seen that that kind of special effect before. But they did in in um in um oh Rogue One solo? Rogue One with, with Tarkin. They they were like, okay, we're gonna bring you know, we're gonna bring Peter Cushing back as a full functioning character in this, which is pretty, you know they'd done it in movies before, but not not quite like that. Mm-hmm. So that was that was sort of but the animations and uh especially resistance is sort of doing that i've never seen anything that looks quite like resistance before you know they they sort of Mm -hmm. invented that that particular their own look for that show and that's very star wars to me I think the only thing I, I, I would like to see more across animation, and this is just because it's very difficult to animate. It has it has rarely happened in Clone Wars. I think it only happened like two two times. I can't think of a time it ever happened in Rebels, but I just want to see more rain in, in mm. the animation. Like just yeah. something as simple as having like a rainy day. But it's like that's such a hard thing to animate. So like when I can see like a rainy day, I'm like on on like Clone Wars, I'm like, it's raining. <laughs> yeah, you're more likely to see that as the cost of creating realistic looking rain goes down. Yeah. I do have to say like one of the most important things about resistance that I think has flown under a lot of people's radar is the diversity of the show, both in front yeah. of the camera and behind it. Um, it's it's either six out of nine characters or seven out of nine characters. I, I wrote it down and I now I don't have it in front of me. So now I just look dumb, but whatever. I'm a fake geek girl, whatever. Um, but like six out of nine of the voice actors in Resistance are people of color. And that's a very important number. Like mm-hmm. that's a majority. And that's never been done in Star Wars animation before. And if you look at the cast of characters, not counting Commander Pyre because we don't know what he looks like under his helmet, and throwing out Phasma because she she's the only character that we know because we saw it in The Last Jedi, there's, out of the main cast, none of them are white. Kaz is a person of color, so is Yeager and Tam and Tora and Captain Doza. Like, there are no white characters in the main cast except for Captain Phasma. Like, mm-hmm. this is the most diverse show we've ever seen in star wars animation and the only thing that rivals it is rogue one with the diversity of its cast and that's very important as we're looking Mm -hmm. to have more and better representation in our our star wars 
Yeah, I would agree with that. This is how I always want my Star Wars to look, how I've always wanted it to look. Because for one, I love alien characters. I love Twi'leks. I love Umbarans. I love Powins and, and, and Mon Calamari. Like, I love alien characters. But we don't always get to see them as much in the movies because, like, makeup and CGI are very, very expensive. So when we get movies, they're mostly human characters. This is how Resistance is how I always think Star Wars should always look. Mm -hmm. A very even mix of humans and aliens interacting together, and they're all diverse. It's not just like a group of Twi'leks and like a human. It's not like a bunch of like the same color humans and like a Twi'lek. They're all different shades of all aliens, all humans, and they're all just mixed in together. Like Resistance is how I've always wanted Star Wars to look. I think Mm -hmm. they're I think they're using because they're animation and and they're they're taking advantage of the fact that since they're doing it animated, like when Star Wars first came out, the cantina scene was just the most everybody just like flipped out about it because you've never seen that, you know, you'd see a wolf, you know, there'd be a movie, there'd be werewolves in it, you know, or something, or maybe a werewolf versus Frankenstein. You never saw a scene where there was just like 30 or 40 different kinds of aliens in a bar together. And it was it just blew people's minds and now it's become a trope. But like they were just like with this animation and with that style of animation, they were able, you know, they're able to do every kind of alien you would ever want that you couldn't, you know, would be expensive to build practically or, do you know, do in a movie. But it, it, they can, you know, have guys with long spindly legs. And so it's always just visually amazingly imaginative to watch every second, you know? I think what we've talked about, or I think what we've really hit on is is this show, and I didn't really think of it in this way before talking to you guys, but it really is just about the the everyday people in, in the Star Wars universe, and and this specific cast on the show, too, is, is so diverse. I'm glad you brought that up, Hope, because, I mean, we have, I'm just looking at the cast list right here, it is so packed, full of great people. I mean, we have Christopher Sean, Scott Lawrence, Susie McGrath, Bobby Moynihan, Jim Rash, uh, Stephen Stanton, Lex Lang, uh, Mary Elizabeth I McGlynn. Think, I can't think of Tyranny's voice actor, but I think she's the. I uh, think Sumali, and I don't have this in front of me. Yeah, it's Sumali Montano. I think so, she's the first Philippine actress in Star Wars. I don't have it in front of me. I'm I'm probably wrong, but. Um, and then we got like, like Oscar Isaac coming back. We got Gwendolyn Christie, Liam McIntyre, Elijah Wood joined for a couple episodes playing Jace Rucklin. I mean, this I is a pretty a, good that's cast. A nickname, that's a nickname I have that I can't stand on your show for Rucklin. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, the, we and even like thinking about the the Star Wars Resistance panel at Celebration and just this cast in general, and they and they just recently posted a photo of them wrapping the show. But they look like they're having just so much fun with each other and I think that really comes through on the show. I think the way they the characters interact and just how excited these people get um around the show is is really really fun. Let's not forget too Donald Faison. <laughs> I mean Donald oh, Faison's yeah, yeah. A, a great <laughs> um addition to the cast and I, I I'm thinking of him at celebration with him. I think it was him and Bobby Moynihan running around the floor room and taking selfies with people or something like right before the panel started. So like it just there's so much personality to the cast and the and the crew and now, now to kind of wrap up season one, I want to get each of your guys' uh, favorite, one of your favorite moments from season one, and oh. also um, who are your top two favorite characters on the show oh, right God. now? I, I'll give you guys some time to think, but I'll, I'll start here. So I got to say my, my favorite part of the season, I think, 
I really love the dynamic between Kaz and Poe, just in general. Like that one mission in particular where they go off into the the asteroid field and Poe kind of gives Kaz his confidence to fly. That's a really cool growing moment for Kaz, I think. And it also ties back to the first, first order and what they're doing. And we see that completely desolated planet where Kaz picks up the toy off the ground. And it's like a pretty brutally dark moment because we're like, oh my gosh, the first order is doing this. And this was the result of Starkiller Base because their son went out in that system. So I think those adventures were really cool. And I also love the Easter egg of the Star Tours ship coming into play there as well, which is really, really fun to see. And in terms of my favorite characters, I mean, again, Niku is, is just so precious. I think he is the what we need in the show, like for every single moment to just take us back for a second and be like, how would Niku look at things? And it's just a great breath of fresh air. And he's just so pure and innocent. We need to protect him with all of our energy. And I would say Tam is also my second favorite because the, the journey that she goes through, we don't really see too many stories on screen of a, of a character turning back or I mean turning into an imperial or first order pilot we've seen Finn go you know from first order to resistance but we have yet to see that the other way around and Tam is finally that journey and hopefully she gets redeemed in in season two so what about you guys what are are your favorite what's your favorite moment and your two favorite characters on the show my favorite I well like I just think I I don't want to count this as my favorite moment but my favorite probably just most insane moment was when when they took off at the end of season one and i was like yeah this is how they're ending the season (laughs) (laughs) yes i like this i like this a lot it's almost like space 1999 with the moon getting blasted out of orbit it's just like you know it's almost like the whole first season was a, if it was going to be more than two seasons I would have considered the first season maybe just a setup for whatever the premise was going to be after that mm-hmm. but I I really like anything that happens any of the any of the storylines that concerned the bottom layers with the, the where the turtle people were yeah and you know, when the kids were down there I like I, I like the I like when they get behind the scenes of even the the lower ends and now we're in the inner the actual inner physical workings of the whole thing Mm -hmm. and i i love i love that and i love the turtle characters so anytime we're down there that's when i always feel like if you're going to get any hints of of uh how this storyline fits in with is influenced at all by the force or anything it's going to be down on that on the lower lower decks with the turtle people right yeah and uh yeah the the um the the episode with uh well you had the the two runaway kids and then you had niku and the and the giant sea creature oh sort of that was so kaiju, good kaiju episode yeah which goes back to clone wars which Bebo. had a kaiju episode too mm-hmm. and they were completely different you know this one was yeah. this 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 one ended a lot happier too yeah that was a great episode now who would you say your your two uh did you mention your two favorite characters yet or no and they're going to be really weird. They're going to both need explanation because <laughs> I, I have to say like the two most interesting there and for different reasons are, are Tora and Griff. Mm. The, oh, I love Tora. <laughs> well, Tora, just because she is the first real teenager 
in in Star Wars. She's a, got a little bit of like non-civilian in her because her dad's running the station or anything. But she's the first like real oh my god teenager who's not a chosen one or going to you know or a Jedi spy you right know, train to be a spy or anything. She's just she's just playing video games and you know she just wants to do she's just a regular teen in Star Wars and that's she's gonna get caught up in in not being a teen but for for a shining season. We got to see a character in the Star Wars universe who is just sort of a, a, a normal, oh my God, teenager. And that's so rare. <laughs> that's, and, uh, and Griff, just because, A, they, they, they didn't really have to, but they, they could have given him a lot. We, we could have had a story about him or stuff, but I like that they're keeping him just sort of on the, on the sidelines. And, just the fact that he's got a TIE fighter, you don't know how sympathetic he still is to the Empire or anything, or it, it just makes him very interesting. I have a feeling we're eventually going to get, when we get to know his character, he's going to be really cool. Yeah. So I was yeah, always absolutely. just sort of, I was always just sort of looking out for him and like wait, waiting for him to to get his his fair play in this one. I don't mm -hmm. think he was he was get, given short shrift in the season, but uh yeah, his his character is very interesting and that's something we'll probably see more of in the Mandalorian is what happened to all the people who were when the empire was defeated who just sort of yeah. slumped up. So hope what what about you hope? What's your what's your favorite season one moment and your your two favorite characters from the show? Tam's story took me by complete surprise. It really did. I I just, because I remember in the second half of the season, like, I started getting really frustrated because, like, Tam was just conveniently not in the show, and she was always on the fringes. And, like, after something like, um, was a Sonara score where her and Tam were together? Whatever episode mm -hmm. that, like, her and Sonara together, like, you know, they started forming this great friendship, and I really wanted to see more of that. And then they just very, they didn't really have Tam in the second half of the season that much, except for kind of on the fringes. And then when she left to go with the First Order, it all made sense that it was all done purposefully. That like Because if Tam had been in the show more and like around Kaz and stuff, she would have gotten more of a clue of what was going on. And I just thought that was very brilliant because like even though I was frustrated, their payoff was amazing because like you said, like Tam being a like tam story like we really don't see it to see good guys go to the bad guys side and i just i'm so excited i think that she's gonna have a story like callus um because like when callus became a fulcrum agent and rebels it was really the first time we got to see like the lower levels of how the empire worked because he was the ground man like he was yeah he got to see like the lieutenants and like how it worked in the factories and we saw it through callus's eyes and I think we're going to get to see really the first real look of the inner workings of the First Order through Tam's eyes. And I think that's very exciting. Mm -hmm. um, oh God, it's so hard. To, I love all the characters. And that's why it's so hard because I, I can't just pick one. Because like the main cast brings so much to the show. Um, and But the, like I have to kind of say like all my favorite characters is a lot of the background characters. Like Aunt Z is just amazing. Like she's just a shining star. And then to find her like being this like freedom fighter kind of like character who knows Maz Kanata 
And then you have like Orca and Flicks. Like Orca and Flicks were my early favorites. Like episode one, I was like, <laughs> yes, I love these two. They're my favorites. And I've, I'm always looking for like Orca and Flicks to show up in episodes because I act, like there's shorts for resistance. I've only watched Orca and Flicks. I have Jim, Jim Rash and Bobby Moynihan do it perfectly. <laughs> yeah. And like there, there's so much coding there for queer characters, but we can talk about queer coding another day. Um, but like make them gay, make them space married. Do it, Star Wars. <laughs> I'm so I'm very salty. I'm a very salty queer woman. I do too. Actually, every time I write about them being like a gay couple together, Bobby Moynihan has liked every single one of my tweets where I've mentioned it. So he supports anybody who knows any anybody who knows any gay couples knows that they're a gay couple. (laughs) That's all I have to say. (laughs) But like the the background characters is like really what fleshes out the world of the Colossus. Just like seeing like a character like Antsy or like seeing like orca and flicks or the gorg salesman or even like the little guy from the triple dark that like tried to take like kansas trophy like it like to me like they're really fascinating because well it, the story is about just as much about them too and how they're going to be pulled into this world like how are the pirates going to be reacting so like it's I, I love all the main cast but i have to like really love this show wouldn't be what it was without the like the secondary and the third tertiary secondary character i don't know tertiary i think thanks (laughs) i forgot how to english (laughs) (laughs) so yeah like there i i this show wouldn't be what it is without any of the background characters yeah i use background because that's a small word (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean season one i just talking about all this really makes me want to go back and rewatch the whole thing before season two comes out so speaking of season two now, according to IMDb, we know it will be the last season, and apparently there are 11 episodes listed on there so far. I imagine that will be the first 11 episodes to take us through the mid-season break, and then we will get I'm, the I'm final really 10 scared. episodes. I'm super scared about that it's just going to be 11 episodes. Yeah, I really um, hope it's not. just because they used the concluded in the tra- in the trailer. And because like my fear is, is like a tweet from Pablo Hidalgo because Pablo Hidalgo wrote a tweet that said, um, I heard a lot of things are ending this fall, which is a, a nod towards like Tross and the end of the Skywalker saga. My fear is that they're going they don't want to continue the show past um, the Skywalker, the rise of Skywalker and have it yeah. continue into next year, because this is supposed to be the film between of the year between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. So I have a really deep fear that we're only getting 11 episodes. Yeah, it's it's a very would, I, I would be possible so scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully again. Um, I, I think it could really go one way or the other. My hope is that it's just a mid-season pause, but um, I think we should brace for possibly the resulting eleven-episode final season. But um, hopefully, let's keep our hopes up. So um, that's all we can really do. Rebellions are built on hope. So the first couple episodes are called "Into the Unknown," a quick salvage run live fire and hunt on Celsor three so those are the first four episodes uh i'm super excited you know i saw that trailer and just seeing chopper's eye having it open with that and the hyperspace inside his eye was just such a creatively shot moment and again just like another instance that like animation can have like great cinematography it's not just reserved for live action it it you know animated shows have great moments like that so I'm super excited for season two. I want to get your guys' brief thoughts on, you know, where do we start? Where do we end? And and how is it going to connect to the rise of Skywalker to, to kind of wrap up the, the episode here? I'm just really hoping the first couple episodes is a, 
even if it's just like an up, at least the first episode is addressing the fact that they just drug an entire city's worth of people into a war that people didn't even know that they were in the middle of a war and now they're mm-hmm. there. Like that's that's the part that is like really interesting, like interesting to me the most. Like mm-hmm. that's what I want to see is like, and they have pirates on the ship. The pirates yeah. have spent all season trying to murder everybody yeah. on the ship. And now they're all there together. Like we, that's we did I see want. a little bit of that in the trailer, a little bit of the infighting going on. Yeah, and then, so I think that's that to me is what I want to see the most. Like, I mean, yeah, it's going to connect to the bigger world of the movies and stuff like that, sure, whatever. But like, what I care about Resistance is the, these characters' interactions. Like, I want mm-hmm. to see, and I want to see the Aces. I want to actually, I, I'm like Chris, who's like, I'm fine with them sitting on the sidelines. I want the Aces is the thing I wanted to see most going into the show. Like when they ran the promo of like, these are the Aces. I was like, cool, this is the one thing I want to see in the show. And then when like we only really got Tor and Hype, like. That's what I I want. To I thought see, I so. thought racing was going to be a major part of the the storyline. I was I was really sort of expecting it to go that. I wasn't really like disappointed that it didn't, but I I, I really thought that's how they were going to be doing it, especially after the first like trailers they did for it. But I I also like I have a I'm a little weirded out that like phasma's in the trailer because i I, we know that like unless we that's only in episode one uh, didn't she die in the last jedi so is that like the trailer the phasma in the trailer like episode one only phasma and she's not going to be rest of the season or i think it could be i i personally don't think phasma's dead like that's kind of my theory i don't think she's dead so i i just i i kind of am hoping beyond hope that Phasma's in the show because Phasma's a huge disappointment for me in the movies and that's it's just the movies have such a waste of Gwendolyn Christie's amazingness so <laughs> that's what I want to see and I, I want it to bump up against Tross like as close as it can possibly get to where I finish watching the last episode of Resistance it's there and then I can watch Tross and I'm like ah oh, the Colossus is in Tross and I understand everything now like that's where I wanted to go what I what I want is what something we haven't we've seen a little bit of it, but we've never had a main character that whether you know I'm going to use the empire basically the empire and the first order as being interchangeable even though there's you know there's differences between them obviously, but now we have potentially we could have this storyline split fifty fifty. Between the goings on in in on a, in the first order on the bottom lines, you know, someone on the bottom lines of the first order who mm-hmm. sort of got like a friend in higher places, so might be able to move up faster and give us a a wider view of what goes on in the first order. But I've always wanted that, like, you know, I mean, we've we get stuff, you you know, you get cutaway scenes, and here's Vader and Tarkin interacting and stuff like that and uh you know we got a little bit more of it with callus and rebels but never like just an ongoing storyline set in with the bad guys and now we have the potential to do it with a character who could very well you know halfway through that storyline go oh my god what have i done you know are we the baddies (laughs) so so yeah so there's you know there, that 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 would be very interesting. I I'd really like to see what what goes on. You know, from from that in the day to day point of view. You know of of the the first order, and how it could be viewed as just sort of like a job. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. a job in the military, and uh, 
So that's that's what I'm looking forward to it. The 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 part with the now now space station, I I really that could go anywhere. You know, I mean, the most obvious point it would be would be them going from planet to planet trying to look for a good place to park, but it could literally be anything. And I'm sort of hoping that they go 50-50 between them and and her in the in the first order. And I have like one more thing that like is my big like I want to see. And there's kind of a hint that we might get it in the trailer. They have a cool opportunity to put a clone in all three of the Filoniverse shows. Do you know what happened to Kix the last stormtrooper, Brad? Mm-mm. Okay, let me get, let's pull up. So Kix was part of the 501st. He's in the episode where like like the Order 66 are so Clone Wars and like Fives is like, oh my god, it's a conspiracy. He goes into a bathroom at, at like the at the clone bar and Kix is in there and he's like, Kix, oh my god, there's a conspiracy. And Kix is like, oh my god, what are you talking about? Oh god. He's like, you just need to know that like there's something big going on. Well then Kix, oh my god, I forgot the name of the story, but Kix was like, huh, that's weird. So he looks into it, right? And I don't have the short story, but it's like the Crimson Corsair and the Lost Treasure of Count Dooku, something like that. I'm a fake geek girl, whatever. Um, so Kix looks into this and Count Dooku goes, oh my God, a clone is looking into this, not another one. So he captures Kix and he tortures him and Kix was like, oh God. And Count Dooku's like, this is dangerous. We can't keep him around. So they cryogenically freeze Kix, stick him on a ship and shoots him into space where he just kind of circles the galaxy for a while. But then there is a malfunction and the ship crashed. And then it was buried in sand for like tw- like pretty much all throughout the Empire stuff. And in the sequel trilogy, the Crimson Corsair, um, Ethano, I think is his name? The guy, the red guy from Force Awakens and right, right. Bar and stuff like that. Yeah. His, his crew unearthed this ship and they find Kix and they unfreeze him. And Kix comes out and he's just like, blah, the clones are going to kill all the Jedi. And they're like, dude, that happened like 30 years ago. You're too late. And Kix is like, Oh my god, all my friends are dead. Oh god. And he joins this pirate crew. And so he's like, well, this is my life now. So I want to see Kix with the Crimson Corsair because I would love to see a clone in all three of the Feloniverse shows. And so yeah. when I saw the Crimson Corsair in the trailer, I was like, oh, we're going to get Kix! And if they don't yeah. get Kix then, I'm going to find Lucasfilm and be, be like, I'm going to give you a very stern letter. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just because I'm sad and I love my clones. Yeah. I don't have, Let's have her clones. Tattoo. I do. I have a Captain Rex tattoo for a reason. So yeah, yeah, that would be actually really cool to to have that connective tissue there. But uh, for for myself, I think I'm very excited for season two. I would love to see um, Force elements brought into it somehow potentially. I know there was like that weird temple thing that Kaz and the and the Force sensitive children went into. So I think there might be some sort of Force connection there. So I'm very intrigued what, to see what, what that like a Sith holocron. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very intrigued to see what that's all about if maybe the world between worlds gets incorporated again my like absolute dream would be to see like maybe kaz like open up some weird portal and like thrawn and, and ezra <laughs> pop out they're like thanks for opening it up <laughs> thanks for opening it up for us we've been trapped in here <laughs> can you imagine his like noodly arm reaction of like where am i just like yeah down the ways of the world between worlds like i don't well, know where i am and everything yeah. well, think about it think about the symmetry of them going from real whale, real water space, space water whales to space space whales in season two. Mm-hmm. Oh, the purgle. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those yeah. would be if they 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 would probably that that's probably that you know who knows they'll probably there was price. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, time time will tell. But I my my hopes are that there is some sort of weird force mystic part of it, especially if it's a Filoniverse show. Uh, it wouldn't be a Filoniverse show without some f- mention of the Force beyond the the two children potentially. So I don't know, but I think in t- return in terms of uh, Tross connection, I think the Fireball crew will end up having some sort of big discovery that helps the Resistance win against the First Order, and they're going to be very valuable in finding that information so that when they all regroup post Last Jedi, Kaz and the crew can say, "Hey, we found all this information on this planet," and blah 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 blah, um, blip bloppity bloop, as DJ would say, and then they're going to defeat the First Order that easily. So <laughs> we'll see. But I have half like I'm the re- part of the reason why I really don't want it to be eleven episodes, and we're going to get like another eleven in the spring. Is I just have this dream that when we get the mid-season trailer, that there because you you know there's always a big reveal at the end of a, like a mid-season trailer mm-hmm. that because I, I I think that they're going to go into the unknown regions a little bit because yeah. already the castle on the planet was like right at the edge of the unknown, unknown regions, and I think I would love to see them accidentally jump into the unknown regions because that that just for one is like a part of the galaxy that we really haven't seen much on screen. We haven't really seen. The unknown region. So for one, I just think it'd be visually cool. Yeah, to no, like we haven't ex- seen it at all. Yeah, I just for one, I just think it'd be really cool just to explore the unknown regions on a visual screen where we can look at it. But I just my dream is that there'll be a mid-season trailer and like the final reveal is like Ezra and Thrawn. Like I just I, I yeah, I that'd be pretty her. cool. Need, and maybe that's when dream. they would announce the next series being about them. But that's again, that's all a very big pipe shoot dream. But. Time ter- will tell. <laughs> I have a terrible fear, though. It's just going to be 11 episodes because uh, I, I don't think you would use the word concluded if you were going to bring it into another 11 episodes right. in the second half of the season. I really don't. I'm very sad about that. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll know in just a just a couple days here. We'll we'll get the final season uh, right underway. So five days from now on Sunday, the season will premiere, I believe, at 10 o'clock, and it'll be on Disney XD. And I believe also season one will be going up on Disney+. Plus. So if you need to wait a little bit and catch up on the first season, uh, make sure you record all the new episodes, and then you can binge it on Disney+, Plus and then go right into the second season. So I can't wait, and I'm glad I got you guys on the show today to talk more about this. So Hope and Chris, thank you guys again for coming on Friends of the Force. Now before we kick out the show, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and where they can find J guys and Jedi. Well, the, 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 uh, the, our main network is two true And we have all our podcasts there. You can sign up to all the podcasts, RSS feeds either individually, or you can, you can take our master feed, which gives you everything, or you can find us on iTunes and we post all our episodes. We got a, a Facebook page, uh, the two true freaks podcast. And, uh, we have a Twitter page, Two True Freaks at Twitter, run by Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. And um, yeah, we also have a, a Facebook page that's the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is just sort of go to, 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 to tangent like we did here. It's more of a discussion group. But uh, yeah, that's about it. That's about it for Two True Freaks. What about you, Hope? I know you have a very interesting web presence um, you can find us on Twitter at JGuysAndJedi. I run our Twitter account. Um, Chris doesn't have Twitter, so you can find me at Hope Molinex on Twitter. 
Um, I also write Star Wars fan fiction over on Archive of Our Own. My name on there is Chaos Lydia. I have a Thrawn fan fiction called Forces of Gravity. I also have an Agent Callus fan fiction called The Lucky Leku, where Agent Callus gets a ridiculous assignment where he has to investigate a boy band. Think NSYNC or Backstreet Boys, but one of them is a rebel <laughs> spy. One's a rebel spy, and he has to figure out which Backstreet Boy is a rebel spy. Um, so, yeah, and I also have a website called Geeky Girl Experience, where I've actually written a lot about resistance over on Geeky Girl Experience and stuff. So, where can people find you, Brad? Oh, thank you for asking. Nice little transition right there. <laughs> well, I, I got to say first, though, again, thank you guys again um, so much for coming on here. It's always great to get other people on the show, and that's what this is all about. But you can find Where's our the podcast. Other people? <laughs> the others <laughs> yes but you can find friends of the force on twitter at friends of force and on instagram at friends of the force you can find me at brad whipple and make sure to follow us there if you're not already get all the latest updates on the podcast and everything happening in star wars and you can also find a link to our website on both of those social medias so also consider joining our patreon we have a patreon where you get early episode access exclusive content discord access you name it starting at just one dollar a month you can help financially support the show which is a lot of uh, a lot of fun and it would really really help and improve the show the type of content we put out and and what we can cover so again that's only 12 bucks a year when you think about it so if you think the show is worth 12 bucks a year you know go ahead and join we'd be super humbled to have you but if not thank you for your continued support and thank you to our current patrons. We have Aldrinian Rose, Neil Lowry, Timothy Dunlap, and Real Farm Boy. Lastly, Friends of the Force is now part of the Star Wars Escape Pods network. That is at We Are Escape Pods. Again, the Star Wars Escape Pods network, promoting positivity and fandom. So Hope and Chris, thank you guys again for coming on the show today. And with Thanks that, for that is us. Yeah, any any time. Thank you guys. We are all ones with the Force. We are all friends of the Force. And may the Force be with you always. Oh!